to you live from Columbia, Missouri. This is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Carrion. Alongside me is Michael Amami and Logan Franz. It is another cold Friday in February. It seems like that's coming to a weekly trend. It is the 21st February, almost done with the worst month of the year. And every minute from here on out is one minute closer to the March Madness and one minute closer to the MLB season. But that's not on our agenda to talk about today. And we're going to dive right into it because I feel like that's necessary. And the biggest news of the week, other than the whole Astros scandal, which is still progressing ever so slowly, we have a potential new NFL season structure, which has quite puzzled me, to be uh, to be quite frank with y'all. It hasn't exactly sat very well with me. Part of it is because, I mean... It's going to be a 17-week season, or a 17-game regular season. So that means, does that mean that it would still be 17 weeks and one less bye for each team? Um, I don't know exactly how the layout is, but I know they're setting it up for a 17-game um, a seventeen game season where potentially each team has two byes, and the season is so 17 games, but 18 weeks, I think is how they're doing it. They, they're eliminating a couple preseason games or maybe only one. I can't remember, but it's fine. The preseason is worthless. Anyways, they've got these, they've got a 17 game schedule in place and as, as well as a new playoff system. Um, so just in case for you guys who may not know the current NFL schedule, um, and, and there's a, a lot that goes into it that evens out, but so each team will play, there are three division opponents twice, obviously that's six and each team plays a division in the opposite conference once rotates every four seasons. So NFC teams will play an AFC division team, excuse me, and each team will play a division in their conference once that'll rotate as well every four seasons. So the NFC West could play the NFC East one year, NFC South one year, um, and then each team has another conference opponent based on their divisional placement. So, example, I'll just everybody's mad at me for saying the Redskins on here. So I'll I'll go with the lovely Seattle Seahawks, who finished in second place in the NFC West, clinching the wild card spot. Next season, they play the NFC East division, so they'll play the second place Vikings of the NFC North. Remember, the Vikings clinched the second place seed at number six seed in the playoffs, going ten and six, and they'll play the second place Falcons, who finished seven and nine to the uh, New Orleans Saints, who clinched their division. And uh, that'll add up to 16 games. So you've got your six uh, divisional teams. You've got your eight conference opponents. And then your two conference opponents based on your division placement. That'll add up to a lovely even 16 games. I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. The new schedule says they propose the 17 games, but that won't go in effect till 2021 or 2022 due to the over 70 players being under contract negotiations. And another issue that I want to pose a question here because it seems as if that uneven scheduling, and there's not anything like this with the four major sports here in the United States, they've got more um, home games than road games. They've got to work that out. Um, And NFL owners are going to lose money on some of this. So I don't understand why this is necessarily proposed. To me, it does more harm than good for the league in terms of bringing in revenue for owners. I know they were trying to figure out how this 17 games would work out necessarily for the players because it increases the possibility of injuries there's a lot of questions here that i think are going to be left unanswered for us um and that to me i think poses a problem yeah it'll it'll certainly be a problem i'm not on board with it i'm against this new fever dream of a season i'm not i'm just not a fan of it because i mean it just really makes me wonder if eventually because it's going to be uh was it seven teams or eight teams from from each league 17 from each conference Yeah. yeah from each league, eventually it's going to turn into a point where divisions are going to go away because it'll just be the top seven teams. Because at that point, it's what it's already turning into be. Yeah, I mean, there are people who have said that the not nece- that the playoff system, and I was one of them, should be just the top six teams in the conference regardless of division just because when you're looking for wanting the best football possible, I think that's how you have to do it, although it does end up that way by the end of the season most of the time anyways. The seeding would be the um, the part that I would change personally about that but another thing i want to point out here is that with the 17 um first off i don't know how it's going to work logistically but there was there is a way to solve the um the contract issue that people have been talking about if a player has a contract negotiated in a 16 game season except it seems like 
just kind of thrown together and players are losing money from it as well because they they will get an extra game check but it's it caps out at $250,000 or yeah $250,000 so if you're taking a player who makes a million per check you know he's making 16 million a year 1 million per game check you're essentially taking $750,000 that he would otherwise have away from him by implementing that cap so this there's a lot of problems that the players association is going to have with this and the owners already voted to approve it but it goes to the players vote next and i don't think the players vote is going to pass it seems like there's a lot of things that help players sure only one franchise tag per team but there's a lot more that hurts the players and helps them and, and i've already seen it on twitter certain players are taking to twitter to talk about the uh, the new proposed deals is not necessarily a new deal yet and it's been J.J. Watt. I saw him say he wasn't on board with it. Richard Sherman's not on board with it. And really, I, I see no way that the Players Association lets this go through. It's looking more inevitable by the day. But I think the thing that they're looking at right now is, and I think the playoff schedule, which you talked about, was going to be problems with divisions right now. And this is where I, I kind of disagree with you and agree with you at the same time. I know we talked about this yesterday and discussed what we were going to look at here. But when I'm looking at the seven seed right now, it seems there's no team in this seven seed right now that is below 500. Every team has at least a record of eight and eight. I'm seeing a couple 10 and six eight teams, teams in here. should not be making the playoffs. Well, I understand that. But I'm also seeing a couple of a lot of 10 and 6 teams in here and I'm seeing a lot of 9 and 7 teams in here and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they get in I'm seeing the 7 seed Tennessee Titans of 2016 10 and 6 New York Giants of 2015 um, so it, it Philadelphia 2014 that missed out in the playoffs they were 10 and 6 so you know, you have to look at it like that. You really can't say that, okay, here's definitively one reason why we shouldn't be doing this. I understand it. It does take away from it almost half the teams. I'd say, I think it was 14 right now. They would, they would, they would be in, or, um, yeah, I think 14 right now that'd be in. But again, you have to look at it that way. Now, I don't think the postseason thing is the worst thing in the world. I feel like the 17 week schedule is because to me, I think Goodell and the way he runs this league, and I, and I, I, I mean, truly the, the, hate to say it this. It already is a 17. He would sacrifice the integrity to make a dime. He would do that. If, he could, if it means an extra dime in his pocket, I think he'd do that. First off, 8 and 8 teams should not make the playoffs. That's, there you go. See, Logan I, I agree with that 100%. But also, the players love this part of it because they see it as, you know, another way, to, another another seed in the playoffs is another chance to make the Super Bowl. So they actually really like that part of it. Their issues is the 17-game season, how their body's going to hold up through that. The NFL is trying to um, put in new players' safety rules from, you know, less contact in training camp overall, extending when you start um, when you start training camp. Normally it was just three days, now it might how, be how, as late as five you days. Just, you just get rid of, get rid so, of the, the uh, summer, the, like, the preseason games. Just get rid of them. Are they really necessary? Yes, I think four of them are not necessary. But there's a lot of teams use these have, preseason if games. Have one, just, just a have lot one. of a lot of teams use these preseason games to figure out who's going to be on the 53-man roster. Do I think they could go with none of them? No. Do I think they could go with one of them? That might even be pushing a little bit. I think two is fine, and I think you can work with two. But the fact is, a preseason game does not equal actual game action. So if you take those away, it still doesn't mean, oh, you know, we'll have, we have enough to add another game to the regular season. Cause it's a lot more intense, a lot more, you know, intensive and taxing on these players bodies than a couple of preseason games. So I think that's something that has to be, has to be looked at, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to pass a, a CBA that has a 17 game season. I just don't think the players are going to let it happen. I don't. I don't see it happening either. I mean, does the CB can the players' association technically just decline and then can hold out again? It's going to be difficult because this is a collective bargaining agreement. You really can't, you know, make that decision based upon what's going on. Obviously, the players are a huge part of agreeing to this decision because I feel like a lot of us in here are making these determinations about what's going to happen. I feel like we're doing it a little bit too early, but I feel like the playoffs will pass. Because I think if they're able to reach a deal, the players and the owners are able to reach a deal, then this will go through. But the thing with the 17-week season is, and, you know, Goodell thinks that he could just throw a check in everybody's faces and it would work out. But I think the players have to think about it this way. You're putting your body on the line for another week. And I also am not particularly happy about the idea of seeing a team's record being 10-7 and 7, or 
nine and eight or 13 and four. And I like having an even season, which means each team gets a fair amount of home games and a fair amount of road games. And with all this London stuff going on right now, where teams are going to London for a game or two. So does that mean they'll probably have every team in London once? I just, Honestly, again, that, that, that's, did we ask for this? final place to do it where there's no uh, even or odd uh, home, I, I think that's away. fair. I think that's fair. But then again, I, every I, team I has to travel team... and you get that bye week. I mean, yeah, I think about it. You got to go to Europe for a week and then you have to take a bye week off. That's what the that's the that's the formatting of the way they've been doing this. The seventeen week season doesn't exactly count for every team going to London once because if there's seventeen weeks, you have a game in London every week. You have then seventeen seventeen weeks would be thirty four teams. So, so one team would have to go to London. Two teams would have to go to London twice. So I don't know how that hey, checks Jackson, out. Jackson already has like a fan base there. Just like leave them there. <laughs> just move them to <laughs> London permanently, and we'll we'll figure it out as we go. The London but, Jaguars. <laughs> That yeah. just sounds wrong. I mean, I think making these assumptions aren't necessarily hurtful. I don't I also don't think that they can pass one part of the deal without passing the rest of it. I think it has to be everything all at once must be passed. I don't think it's these separate issues. It's separate they can talk about them as separate issues, but it's all going into one collective bargaining agreement. And I think the I think we'll get more clarity when the players vote on it and what the players' association wants because I think there's going to be a lot more than just these big things that we've heard of from the owners. I think the players' association is going to have some words about these things and a lot more that's in the collective bargaining agreement. They want to make contracts more player-friendly. They want to you know, prevent these holdouts so these players can actually play and they want to work with the owners on that. So there's a lot more that's going to go into this. I don't think it's going to happen quick. Hopefully it happens before the season starts in, you know, August, September, whenever that may be, but it's you, there's going to be a lot more negotiations could, could, on could, this. Could you see a possibility for just a lockdown or a lockout? Sure, I could see it. I mean, why not? We've seen it in other professional sports. If they don't reach an agreement, there's going to be there's going to be a lockout most likely and you know we're we're not going to get those games we saw it in hockey in as early as 2013 and this list just leads me as recently this just leads me to something that i've thought of when i when i first heard of these new rule changes the first thing that came to my mind is what is the xfl thinking at this point if the nfl goes out into a lockout per se if that happens what does this mean for the xfl I think does, it means do they, does, do, do, absolutely nothing. Nothing. So you think people are just not going to care about football? You know what? I'll tell you this. The NFL is always going to have a fan base, regardless. Yeah, if, if you make if it 25 if games, no... if you make it 17 games, if you make the playoffs diluted, it doesn't matter. The NFL is always going to have a fan base. I feel like this makes absolutely no change to the XFL. I think this does absolutely nothing. I think this is going to be a problem for football in general, for the NFL, because in particular, when you look at the way at how Goodell has handled the situation, we've been through these crises before. We've been through this with the, you know, the reviewable PI garbage we saw this year. We've been through a situation like this with the replacement referees where there were calls being blown left and right we've been through the nfl lockout before with with you know back in 2011 2012 we've been through these kinds of scenarios before and i think this is the closest that i've seen to this being a drastic change for the league in general and i think that is a little bit of a problem but when you look at it this way in 1990 when they implemented the the new playoff format which included two wildcard teams people were not too on board with that but it made more sense because people love even numbers people love the numbers numbers 12. They love the numbers 14. They don't like the number 13. They don't like the number 17. When you have an even number of something, people will generally look at it more favorably because things even out easier. Now, that's my issue with this. The 14 teams in the wild card, I think will be fine. If they release just that proposal, people will not care about the postseason at all. If you release the 17 week schedule, people will have problems with that because the number is not even. That is what multiple reports on here are saying. They're saying that with the odd number, there will be backlash. And I think that is something that Goodell needs to look at. He cannot just throw this in everybody's face like he's intending to do, and everybody has to just take it. I don't think logistically you can extend the season if you don't give these players another game check, regardless of what their contract is. You can't cap that out at 250000 That's one of my biggest issues here. Also, to your point about the XFL, I see where you're going with it. And I would say I agree that it means good things for the XFL, but what are what is the XFL going to do if the NFL locks out? Their season already ends in April. Like, sure, are they just sure. going to? They're not, you know, they're, they're they're not going to do what the uh, the uh, I think it was the United States Football League in the eighties. 
where they're like, you know, they had a very strong spring season. And all of a sudden, I don't know if now President Donald Trump influenced the decision. But I remember I, I watched, I don't know if I watched a documentary about it or I read about it. And it said that they were like, you know, we can battle with the NFL. And then they moved to the fall season and they just got annihilated. Yeah, I I don't think they can necessarily do that after the season already ends in April, especially because, you know, an off season can be useful to some of these teams. And, so, you know, so, so, like the thing that's going through my head is, would they make, because of the, I mean, yeah, college football would probably see a massive increase in viewership, even though it's already continuing to rise every year. You would see maybe the XFL, like the attendance and ratings would be out of, out of the roof mm-hmm. over just insane amount because of yeah. that. There's no season of the NFL and people like Michael said, there's always a foot or a market for football. Just that market would be insanely high. Yeah. I think we all are getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves here. Cause we don't know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. Happening. You heard it here first guys. <laughs> yeah. But there is a lot of problems here that I think the NFLPA is going to have. And obviously I'm not part of the NFLPA. I'm not a player, so I can't say for sure, but I think, are you sure? I think, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> have you, have you seen me, um, you know, conditioning, Pristi- getting stronger every day. Performance. If you don't I'm, like it, I'm in the best bad. shape of my life. I'm ready to go out there and play. <laughs> but yeah, I think you've got to, I think when you look at it from a player's perspective, as much as you can, not being a player, I think there's going to be a lot of issues with it. You already said JJ Watt and Richard Sherman have both been very vocal against it. So I think that's fine. They can change the playoff format all they want. I really, I'm not a fan of it just because, you know, I don't want eight and eight teams in the playoffs on any given year. That's right. That's that's the thing that stuck with me the most. It's like, like, because the Steelers would have made it this year. Yeah. So just, are the Steelers a playoff oh, team? I mean, I would have signed up for some Duck Hodges in the, in the playoffs. <laughs> no. I don't know about you, no. but I am the president of the Devlin Duck Hodges fan club. So, I mean, sign me up for some of that. But, like, in all seriousness, look at the teams that would have made it in, like, the past 10 years. I think there was a I, piece I looked, about that. I saw it and said, the, uh, they showed the NFC. And it showed the Bears in 2011 and 2012. <laughs> like, we oh, were just on, on the outside looking in. But, like, do you think oh, any no. of those teams would have won the Super Bowl? No. Because I don't think I, so. I, I don't, I don't think the Steelers won. <laughs> Rams won it. Yeah, for sure. Like The Rams are as dysfunctional as any other team. Yeah, I mean, it would make the one seed a lot more valuable because only the one seed gets a buy in two plays seven, three plays six, and four plays five. But I don't know. I'm just not a fan of having that. And Michael mentioned the odd numbers thing. Having that seven teams per conference in the playoffs just feels weird to me. It feels like... You know, it feels like there's something missing or whatever. Like most, you know, um, the NBA has eight per conference. The NHL is eight per conference. So I don't want eight per conference in the NFL. I think the NFL, 12 teams and six per conference is just fine. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not a fan of extending I mean, the, the LB does, does five. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're, they're probably the strangest ones in terms of their picks. But I, I, do, I do see this whole odd amount of games that just really sticks with me so it's like am i really going to say oh because there's, there's, there, you can't be 500 well my thing is if it ain't broke don't fix it and the nfl i think is um is essentially fixing an issue that really isn't broken here except for their pockets uh, danny hafitz from the ringer puts it like this he says owners see dollar signs the more things change the more they stay the same and i think that's a brilliant line because if you look at it like that He's basically saying that all the owners really care about is more money in their pockets. They don't care about the good of the game, really. They don't care about the safety of the game. They just care about the money in their pockets. Why do you think that the whole immoral issue with the concussion thing lasted for so long until it was really brought to everybody's attention? The thought was is that people were going to be like, okay, this game is problematic. I'm going to turn away from it, and that's going to lose them revenue. So they better do something about the concussions. So, you know. Everything follows the money here. There's no argument with that question. These guys are billionaires. They're up there. They've got, you know, all these things that they've got going on, and they've worked pretty hard to get there. But I will say, when you look at it like that and you look at the proposed schedule changes that they're making for the game, this doesn't benefit the game at all. This benefits only one individual, and that's them. So they have to look at it that way. And the players, if they come to agreement with this, that's great. But I think this causes an issue for the fans, and I think this, you know, as a, as a fan of even numbers, I think this makes this a little bit strange. Yeah, and and that's why they have the players vote on this because, you know, the players have different thoughts in their mind about what they want to see than the owners do. And I think ultimately this is going to be something that takes a while to get done and something that, you know, takes a while to go through. It's not going to get done in a day. And 
As, you know, as the old saying goes, Rome was not built in a day. <laughs> Rome was not built in a day. And yeah, there's going to be a lot more talks. We're going to hear a lot more news about what's, you know, what people are asking for in this CBA and what, you know, what kind of agreements these guys could come to. But I don't know. It's it's going to be an ongoing process and it could take us all the way up to the draft and all the way up to, you know, the pre training camp and preseason in the summer. It, it, it's certainly that something point. that we're going to keep tabs on as this season of the hot corner progresses. All right, with that said, we are going to head off the break. We come back. We're going to dive out west again where it's warm and talk about the American League West. So it's not corner on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. Hi, we are peers from the Sexual Health Advocacy Peer Educator Program, SHAPE, at Mizzou. We are stronger than ever this year. To refresh your memory, we provide a variety of services centered around sexual health education to faculty, students, and staff on Mizzou's campus as well as the Columbia area. We provide free barrier contraception methods across campus in residence halls, the Women's Center, and the Student Health Center. We provide sexual health educational programs to organizations on campus. We put on events throughout the year, such as Spectacular and Get Yourself Tested. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Harbin. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. For over 50 years, KCOU has provided Columbia with music, sports, and news coverage you can only find right here on 88.1 FM. The only way we can continue to deliver this content is with your support. Please consider donating to KCU 88.1 FM by going online to kcuu.fm. Once you are there, click on the Donate tab. You can either donate to the KCU General Station's Gifts Fund or the LC Chandler Scholarship Fund, which goes towards giving an out-of-state broadcast student a scholarship and to support our sports staff. The students of KCU 88.1 FM, thank you for your support. You know, on days like this where I wake up and it's freezing out, I just think of what's what's coming in the future, and that future is usually warmth. Spring, summer, the sun, no more wind chills, no more northern breezes that make me want to go run back into my apartment and lay under the covers all day. No more polar vortex. No more polar vortex, no more ice, no more walking out and having my lungs hurt because of the cold. Just all the little things that winter, all the joys that winter brings us, which ties me into looking out into the West in terms of a, a division in baseball, which honestly could be up for grabs. And that could is a big, big italicized could because it's still the Astros. The Astros been in control the last couple, th- more than the last couple of years, but you also have teams like the A's. And you have teams like the Angels who could potentially make a run. If everyone stays healthy, which by that is quite the statement because that team is hurt more than any other team in baseball, it seems like. The Angels are like the Oilers of Major League Baseball. Like The, the, the they, Angels are that ultimate team. Man, imagine what they could be if they were healthy. That That's what it is. Like, I, I, like- I look at that roster and I see... The pitching staff all throughout the years. I remember when they had Garrett Richards on that team. He was hurt every year. And just that team has so much potential. But maybe with the man with the with the with the help of uh John Joe Madden. John Madden. Yeah, that's what I got. He's gonna go coach baseball. Anyways, the help of him, maybe they can turn that corner. Yeah, I mean, when you got the best player in baseball anything is possible ultimately i think if anyone i think it's still the Ast- you said sh- you said it's still the astros division to lose but i think if anyone takes it from them it's going to be the a's i don't know if the like you said the angels could be good if they stay healthy but i think ultimately the a's are going to be the one to take it if anyone i mean i think the angels in particular you look at them like this they have the best hitting in i think that division in terms of like who they've got and who they've signed and what they've worked with. I mean, I'm just going to give you their lineup right now with Anthony Rendon's projected Trout, Rendon, Otani, Upton, Pujols, Listella, Anderson Simmons, Jason Castro, I mean, I mean, and that, Ryan that Goodwin. That team has, has three 
of the best players in baseball. Right. They have Trout, the, the, the best player in baseball. And honestly, I, I've heard many comparisons as a term. So with this generational talent where it was like, you know, Pujols was a generational right. talent in the 2000s up until probably about 2011, 2012. And now it's Trout. Trout's just taking the league by storm. And it's really, you have Trout, you have one of the best third basements in baseball, Anthony Rendon, and you have one of my all-time favorite two-way players, right. Shohei Otani, who can hit very well and could pitch 100, plus, 100 miles an hour off the mound. Well, okay, and all that's great, and I think that's, that's great. But the thing that I have to look at right now is that bullpen. And the yeah, bullpen, bullpen is hot garbage, is essentially hot garbage. <laughs> However, <laughs> dumpster fire. Yeah, but look at it this way. I mean, look, here. they have a uh, former Cub. Uh, I think it's Neil Ramirez. Listen, no, they've no, got no a dependable Ramirez. closer. Hansel Robles, two four eight ERA last year, twenty three saves. Ty But Butry and Cam Bedrosian, if I'm Bedrosian. pronouncing that correctly. Yes, they came off solid seasons. Okay, they're good setup men. Then you've got Matt Andres, who was acquired in a trade with the Diamondbacks. Then you've got Noe Ramirez, who offers some length as a long man. And then you've got Kent Kean Middleton's premium stuff plays, as MLB Network puts it. So you've got these additions, and you've got these guys who are coming back that were good last year. I think that's an improved bullpen. No, it's okay. certainly an improved bullpen. It's Starters, just, Julio Saharan. Tehran. Tehran. And wow. then you've got, oh, excuse me, I am i cannot speak today for some reason. And you've got Otani in there and you got Dylan Bundy. So the thing is, is that this is, I think, an improved team with the bullpen they've got, with the starting pitching that they've got. I think they could make some noise this year. I, mean, I really and, and think they, they have, could. They have Andrew they and, and Simmons, one of the best shortstops in baseball. If he could stay healthy. Right. And they also have a guy that was... It had had a very good first half last year until he got hurt. Tommy Lestella, former Cub. Right. One of the best pinch hitters I remember seeing as my time as a Cubs fan. He started last year very well. He was getting a whole bunch of all-star votes until he got hurt. Yeah, I think to me, initially, I thought he was a great like seven or eight guy that would hit there, but he's worked his way in the top of the lineup. If no, you he, ask he, me. Can be, he can be he's a, a, great a number contact two, guy. a leadoff guy. Yeah. I mean, he can even, I mean, yeah, he, he'll work late in the order as well. I would like to make a um, statement on one of these teams that we have yet to talk about. Yeah, we're not talking about your, your uh, bottom-dwelling team. Here we go. <laughs> this happened once in the show before. Logan with it has, and it was also me. of grievances <laughs> of my team. Here's a disappointment. They, well, you chose this. You I made your bet, Logan. I did choose this. Now sleep in it. The only thing I want to say is that I know it's a rebuild and it's going to take some time, but, you know, they're staying towards the bottom. And they they're will adding, they're, stay on the they, they will stay there. They're adding <laughs> prospects, which is, you know, it's um it's promising, but you know, it's it's gonna take a while. I know Evan White's coming in, he looks like he can be a welcome At the addition very to least, this team. But you have Daniel Vogelbach. If if nothing else, we He'll have get you through the our dark hero ages. Daniel Vogelbach. I love the Tom dark Murphy ages as well. That have so. lasted the last twenty almost twenty years. They they will not end. So I mean Sometimes, sometimes you just gotta let it loose. I, I honestly, I would have seen you being a fan of the Angels. If I were to pick something, I would have put my money on the Angels. I know you love LA. I do. Love I just LA. didn't see true. you. You just sitting here and being, you know, I'm gonna go pick the Mariners. who haven't been to the playoffs <laughs> in almost 20 years. I mean, my logic for picking them was that I kind of like a rebuild in sports. You know, I didn't want to just yeah, but pick something like, good that feels they're like they're a they're, bandwagon. They're in the eternal. Rebuild. Oh, I could have done more. They've been rebuilding for eternity, man. Yeah, I could have done more looking before I made that decision. But honestly, I don't know. I do like I do like a lot of teams in that division, the Angels, the A's. I do still like those teams regardless. But I don't know. I think it's more of just a thing where I won't have a team necessarily. I'll just be, you know, a baseball fan and I will just watch. You, you, you will put on the MLB logo on your hat <laughs> and just go to every game and just sit there. You won't cheer. You cheer for both. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll clap anytime I a home run is hit. The MLB fan. But I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know <laughs> I, if there's. I just can't imagine that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if there's a team I necessarily feel connected to. I'm not saying I'm going to leave the Mariners, but I mean. You're not going to elect, elect free agency? <laughs> I might just do that and might not be intending on signing anywhere. I might just, you know, sit in the back and watch. And I think that's the way to do it. And if I fall in love with the team, it'll happen organically. But I think that's probably the way I'm going to take it this season. 
So one, one thing I wanted to talk about, especially when I was looking at the uh, West this year, is just really how will the Astros fare? Will they be, will they win the division by a lot or will they begin the fall? I think they'll lead the league and hit by pitches. That'll get runners on base. Yeah, that's that's gonna become an issue. I, and I saw I saw this morning on Twitter, uh, Anthony Rizzo posted on his his Instagram story, and it, it showed all the trash cans in there. And he said, "Well, I lead the league and hit by pitches this year." And it was like it was like one of those questionnaires that said yes oh, or yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's it's a shame because they've wronged a lot of people, and I know they're projected at it, ninety eight it, wins, sixty four losses. It's shame on every on every player on that team. Right. Pitchers. It is. It, it, it's like another. When, and all with, of them like, are as guilty as the guys who are fired. With, Every with what single David one Ortiz said about Mike Fears being a, a quote, snitch. Yeah. It, it leads me to the point of, man, Fears, why didn't you say something when it was going on, huh? Right. Why weren't you, when you were there, why didn't you break it out earlier? Because he wanted to win that ring. Yeah. Once he got the ring, he's like, oh, I guess I can go spill the beans now. I did what I wanted to do. The guys universally loved around the league for doing this. And yeah, and it's just, it's really just putting it in a different light. It's like, you know, you knew this was going on. Were you, were, and you, you, for what the most part seemed, you were fine with it until right. you left the team. Yeah, and I think that there is something interesting here with, with this because I, I took a look at a, a lot of the stories that um, came around the league, and I think it was really, really funny to, to, to point this out because there is a former pitcher that is suing the Houston Astros because they, he, he, he said that they, um, for damages for the, the fact that they, um, damaged his career, ruined his career in the league. He never made it back to that position again. He was demoted. Mike Bolzinger, if you can remember that name, um, is, I believe it's suing 31 million for them. And, and he said that he wants the money to go to charity and stuff like that, because that, that was the collective checks that they got after they won the world series. He thinks that money could go to other places, assuming they forfeit the the money that they've got if he wins the lawsuit. But he he um, had a really bad outing, and he said in an interview that he felt like they quote unquote knew everything he was throwing. And actually, I think they had uh, they said that that game itself, I believe, led the league in trash can bangs with I think twenty four. Someone counted it. <laughs> and, yeah, and so he's he's suing he's suing the team. Is, is this going to be a new stat? On a, on baseball. Yeah, how many how many times the, was the trash can trash hit? Trash can was hit twenty times yeah. in today's game, ladies and gentlemen. At, at the end of uh, at the end of a lot of baseball games, they'll, they'll they'll say the attendance and blah blah blah. It's like we hit the trash can thirty times today, breaking our record to twenty five set last <laughs> week at home. So congratulations, Astros. On the TV <laughs> on the TV scoreboard, you'll have run. You'll have the R H T, e, and then it'll just say. TC for trash, trash can. can. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, another question, just going back to the whole baseball part of it is, how about what will the team be without Garrett Cole? And this, this, this question stuck with me. So they still have Justin Verlander. I mean, yeah, he's getting older, but I'm not going to say he's going to go down anytime soon because my predictions on pitchers, as I've stated multiple times in the show is complete and other garbage. I mean, if you keep just, if you keep just hey. throwing it at the wall every year, eventually you'll be right. Right. A broken <laughs> clock is twice is, Oh God. It's right twice a day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't. I think oh, English, man. I think another question might be, what are they going to be with dusty Baker? I mean, oh, that's that, a step that, down that's in exactly, management for sure. So that, that's, that's the thing that stuck with me too. Cause as, as a fan of a team that's had dusty Baker as their manager, Mr. This is an actual quote. Walks clog up the bases. Dusty Baker, who lives and dies with the home run. You saw with the Nationals a couple years ago when he was manager of the Nationals. That team kind of, it was all about the home run, the home run or nothing. And the, the, the Astros, I feel, are not that kind of team. And I think that's going to hurt him a lot. Dusty's the kind of guy that you see screaming at the umpire with a toothpick on the left side of his mouth, just yelling, yelling, yelling like crazy. And that was the kind of guy that he was with the Nationals. I think he'll bring a, a sense of fire to the Houston Astros. Do I think he's going to do a decent job in terms of being able to manage the team? I don't know about that. I feel like the Astros are going to win games regardless because of who they've got. But I also think it's going to be funny because the two guys that they fired, A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno, 
I'd say they were complacent in they said that they were the parents and the players were the kids, but I think the players kind of instigated a majority of this. Aside from the scandal that they've perpetuated, I felt like Luno and Hinch were very, very, very crucial for this organization regardless. And I felt like at some point, whether or not they cheated, they would have had been close to winning that World Series. But last last season, there really was no evidence of too much cheating going on in 2019. They've denied that. They said it was the two years prior to that. So they still would have made it pretty darn far with the both of them. So I think losing Luno and losing Hinge could have consequences, particularly for their prospects and the guys that they've kind of breeded into the league. So that's going to be an issue for me. Yeah, it's it's that that whole scandal is just kind of put. It, it's it's almost like we're living in the year 1919 with the Black Sox scandal, with the White Sox, which, if you guys are not familiar with, was a scandal revolving around the World's 1919 World Series between the uh, Cincinnati Reds and the Chicago White Sox, where supposedly, and really, I don't know if it was um, the old commissioner at the time, uh, Landis, Mountain Landis, I think his name was, he ruled and said every player on that White Sox team, including one of one of the guys I believe should be in the Hall of Fame, Shoeless Joe Jackson, were uh, were punished for essentially throwing the World Series, and this is what it almost feels like. Now, granted, the outcomes are different because the Astros won that World Series, but it feels like we're we're in that age where it's history is repeating itself. Well, okay. Fun fact about Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Yeah, Kennesaw Mountain Landis. One of my favorite names. United States District Court for the Northern District of Illinois. Well, that doesn't Landis. surprise me. That makes um, sense. Let me get a C Cubs fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing that I wanted to point out with him here, and I did a lot of reading about this because I was intrigued by uh, the, 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 the 1919 Black There's a really scandal, good but, movie called Eight Man Out. Eight Man Out. Right. That's Say It Ain't So Joe. That's was even though that quote was never actually said in real right. life. It's a good movie. Yeah. And it gets it gets you frustrated. It does, and I think the thing here is is that this is a real test for Manfred, and I think he's failing that test. Because if you look at what Landis did, Landis came in there and, and he was really, he really strict. And the First commissioner exactly brought back integrity to the game, brought back respect to the game, instilled rules, and really, really, really strictly punished these guys. Yeah, and made but sure uh, that, that they were not going in. That whole scandal goes back to the great Kaminsky's that owned right. the White Sox. And if it wasn't yeah. for them cutting essentially the players' salary— this I believe this cheating thing would have never happened. Yeah, it's already a rough time for the sport in terms, you know, of we maybe we have, we have that, viewership. Yeah, we have that viewership thing, but I, I've heard people say that this cheating scandal could is giving baseball a lot more publicity. It and, is giving it a lot more publicity, but it's like but bad, I mean, it's bad publicity. That's exactly. What do it is. you do you sit there? Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't speak today. Do you believe that any publicity is good publicity? Because at this point, I think it's another. You know, it's a blemish on the game, and it can ultimately do more harm than it does good. Sure, people are talking, but are these people who are talking actually going to watch baseball? Or are they just going to you know be like, oh, you know, this team was cheating, and it's big? To, I I just don't see it necessarily being a good thing for the league well as famous author i believe it was oscar wilde who said it's better to be talked about than not talked about i believe that's what he said but uh, i believe it was him that said that i might have to read up on that quote but i feel like the astros are going to have a ton of viewership on their opening day and i think that that well, is people a are going to want to see the players get punished yeah and as someone who's played baseball i've played 10 years of baseball in my life yeah i know I have been on the receiving end of punishment by other teams, and I've been doing the punishment to right. other teams. And I I have intentionally thrown at people in my life as a pitcher, right. and I've been thrown at. That's what people want. People are going to want to see that. They right. want to see the pitchers throwing at, throwing at guys, especially like Correa and Altuve, for that story of, I had a bad tattoo on my collarbone that I didn't want to show to the rest of the world. Or my wife doesn't want me taking my shirt off, even though there's pictures on Instagram of his shirt off. That whole kind of just garbage story. Yeah. Those are going to be the two guys that are going to get hit the most. And, this and isn't of course, affect Bregman's going to get hit too because no one really, a lot of guys don't like Bregman. It will do one for the ratings. It really will. It will do wonders for the ratings. The ratings will go up, I feel like, for this their opening day because they're going to want to see him get hit. They're, they're going to go up for the wrong reasons, but their ratings will be fine. Trust me on that. People will watch this team. 
Whether or not they want to watch this team win or lose, regardless, I know I'm watching Astros opening day. I'm going to figure out a way I'm going to watch it. If, if the Cubs because are playing I want to see at, this. If, if the Cubs are playing at that time, I am watching the Cubs. I'm not going to go move aside and watch the Astros. I just if, think, I, if I want to watch the Astros, I'll go turn on MLB Network and I'll watch if they're on their Tuesday night showcase or Thursday night showcase, every showcase they do every day. I'll watch it on. They could give it national attention. They could televise it nationally. I, I don't. Yes, other than Sunday night baseball, I usually watch unless the Cubs are playing at that night. I'll watch the Sunday night baseball game. Right. I just feel like this is going to be something that people are going to want to tune in to see because how they respond in that opening day game, I think, determines how their season's going to go, and I think it determines how people are going to handle them particularly with their hitters. So that, that to me is going to be really interesting because I, the opening day will set the tone for how the Astros are going to do this year. And one, one last thing I want to ask both y'all is what, I know we, we kind of strayed away from talking more about the other teams like the A's, which deserves a whole like day of itself. It's talking about how they're able to turn nothing into something. I want to ask you guys, how do you think the division is going to look? Who's going to be in first? You can do win totals if you want. I have a general idea what I'm going to do for win totals for at least the top three teams. So I'm going to go first. I've got the Astros winning 95 games. They will go down a little more, a little less, a couple games as they did the year prior. I have the A's in second winning 92, and I have the Angels winning 88. And then really the Rangers, the Mariners are going to be, are going to be like 70, 72 wins. And the Rangers will be perfectly 500 because that's what they are. That's 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 the outlook I have on the, on the year for the uh, the AL West. So I'm gonna pass it over to Logan, fill us in with your philosophical yeah. thoughts whatsoever. <laughs> so I I'm not gonna do win totals, but I do have a general idea for the standings, and I'm gonna say, like I said at the beginning, it's still the Astros division to lose. I think they end up winning it. I think the A's will be in the mix, probably get a wild card spot in the playoffs, but I don't think anything beyond that. And then below them, we're looking at the A's, the Rangers, and the Mariners in that order. Or the Angels, the Rangers, and the Mariners in that order. Yeah, I think it's I th- I, it's hard to see the Astros not winning this division. I mean, cheated or not, I think they're still a good team. They're they've sti- got, they, still, they have all the talent. They've got the talent. They've got the players to do it. Um, so I, I think they win the division. I think they're at around 95, 96 wins. I think the A's are, are a close second. I think they're a wild card team. I think they've got around, what, like 80, 87. Um, Angels, I think, are up there. I think they're hovering around, I think, 83, 84. Rangers, I think, are a 500 team, and I think the Mariners will be in last place. So, like Sorry, Logan. Yeah, but that's another year my of issue. Disappointing baseball. Trust or they me, could, they could start out well and then do poorly again. Yeah, they're going to do it's, unprecedented it's like, it's like the Pirates almost. They're going to go win like 10 games in a row and be like, "Oh, the Pirates are they going to win the NL Central?" And then it'll just crumble in the last place like they do every year. Yeah, that's essentially what's going to happen. Right. Unfortunately, we're going to go to break. We come back. We're going to recap this week's past action in hockey. So you listen to Hot Corner on KCU 80.1 FM and KCU.FM. Bob Goff is coming to Mizzou. The New York Times bestselling author of Love Does and Everybody Always is sharing his legendary stories and insight at the Missouri Theater, hosted by Veritas Mizzou. The event takes place on Wednesday, February 19th at 6.30 p.m., doors at 6. You can text Bob Goff to 65201 to receive a free ticket to the event. Once again, that's Bob Goff to 65201. It's a night with Bob Goff, hosted by Veritas Mizzou. Tune in to one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. Join host Garrett Jones to talk the weirdest and wackiest in all four professional sports. I'm on from Sunday nights from 5 to 6 on KCU 88.1 FM. And if you ever miss a show, catch it wherever you enjoy podcasts. It's one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. Don't forget, every Saturday that this this spring is a KCU Sports Saturday. Listen to your favorite KCU Sports shows every Saturday, all day long. Catch No Huddle, Mizzou Football, Basketball, and more every Saturday. It's not just a Saturday. It's a KCU Sports Saturday. Well, we're getting to the gritty part of the NHL season. 
the race for the wild card, the race for the conference, all that fun stuff's going on as our hockey expert out here in the studio. I keep putting you on the spot, Logan. Fill us in. What's some things you'd like to talk about? This is, this is your segment. This is this is your brainchild. Well, actually, I can't help the name, but this is something that we've talked about for a while to get into. And personally, this year has been a little harder because the Blackhawks have just kind of brought me up, brought me down, pulled me back in, and at the same time are tearing me apart, essentially. <laughs> they've, they've done this thing where they're like, hey, we're going to go win a bunch of games. And all of a sudden they're like, now it's time to go lose a lot. And it's like, do I really want to go all in or do I just want to sit back and look at the rest, take take this L that that they're going to end up giving me and sit back and watch the rest of the league, which I've kind of done. I've, I've watched some of the Wednesday Night Hockey games the last couple of weeks. It's been a lot of fun. Blackhawks are on there against the Islanders, I believe, this weekend. That was just an atrocious, devastating loss. And I can't even put words into... <laughs> What describes yeah. the pain and agony that I have uh, received as a result of that massive loss? So, Logan. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to. I'm kind of putting them in timeout, so to speak. I won't really talk about them until they. <laughs> You're gonna put them in a corner until yeah, until they continue to um go back to what I know they can be. The one and four in the Canadian road trip. They needed to get a bunch of those wins. They won one out of those five. Anyways, some big trades happening this week with the trade deadline approaching. You get Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks, who acquire forward Tyler Toffoli from the Los Angeles Kings, who we mentioned a couple weeks ago, in exchange for forward Tim Schaller, the rights to forward Tyler Madden, a 2022nd-round draft pick and a 2022 conditional draft pick. And some others in the past couple days... St. Louis Blues acquired defenseman Marco Scandella from the Montreal Canadiens for a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 fourth round pick. He was traded um, by the Canadiens. I believe that I believe that he was also traded to the Canadiens for less than he was traded back from not too long ago. So that was an interesting thing. I was watching Twitter earlier this week, and you know I follow a couple Canadiens fans who have some choice words to say about Mark Bergevin there general manager. So that was fun to watch Twitter go into a firestorm over that. Um, <laughs> it's, always, it's always fun to see a lot of fans try to react to trades and like, well, if I was the GM, I do this, 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 and this. <laughs> Maybe sometimes it's not possible, but you can dream. Yeah. Those are most of the big ones that's happened yet. I mean, the Rangers acquired goaltender JF Berube from the Flyers for in exchange for Future considerations, which is always what I think of in baseball with the cash oh, considerations. Player, man, <laughs> that player, cash Play, considerations, man, he's been everywhere. He's been on every team. And that player to be named later. <laughs> player to be named later. I, I, is I, once, I one, once so. saw, I once saw a guy. I was at a, I was at a Cubs game a couple years ago, and I saw a guy with a jersey, custom made jersey that said considerations. And I'm like, he's a big fan of cash considerations. He's a great player, yeah, five exactly. tool guy. So the um. <laughs> The Kings made another deal as well. They traded um, defenseman Alec Martinez to the Golden Knights in exchange for a 2020 second round draft pick and a 2021 second round draft pick. So they're stockpiling picks. See, see one if, thing I, I immediately thought of when the Kings traded Martinez was they, they posted uh, and, uh, hockey on uh, NBC, NHL on NBC, posted the double overtime game winner in the 2014 Stanley Cup. And I was scrolling through the comments and everyone said everyone who was part of that play the the shot that bounced off of uh, uh Lundquist, I believe was the goalie on the Islanders. I'm getting my on the oh geez Rangers my, Rangers that's <laughs> the name I was looking for in my head because I, I remembered it. I watched that was one of the Stanley Cups. I actually watched when the Blackhawks weren't in it, and really I just was like everyone's gone. And it's the end of an era. It it's, is. It's, it's, it's any. It's the end for the Kings. They're in rebuild mode. They've kind of given. They've done what the Blackhawks should almost do. Kind of just go all in on the rebuild. Don't do this. Let's go build up and see if we can make a run at it next year. I think. I think they're close. And I don't. I don't want to talk too much about the Blackhawks, but I do think they're co- close. And they have the makings of their next core already on the roster. And Kubalik, Dabrinkit, and Bokefist kind of being the lead men for that. But regardless, it is. It does feel like the end of an era with the Kings being bad. They were bad last year, and you know Jonathan Quick got hurt, and now they're just kind of you know. He's not, too, he's, he's not too there. quick anymore. Yeah, he he really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make one bad pun every segment, and I'm not not exactly your. Come part. on, you, you gotta admit last week's pun was pretty clever. It was pretty clever once I actually realized it. what you were trying and to say, because you didn't you didn't emphasize the bet enough. You know, you gotta, you gotta. For for context, uh, you're, you're Logan, Logan and Michael. I think I think it was you, Logan, that picked Jamie Ben as your 
as your was it your player of the week? No, I, I believe it was, it was Michael. Michael picked him as his skater of the week, and I looked and I, I had this like the gears were turning in my head, and I looked and I said, and well, I guess you can say he's been playing good, and I didn't like I guess I didn't emphasize the Ben part of it, but I got it. I don't know if our listeners got it. I was pretty proud of it. I thought it was really clever. Honestly. I think also I just want to talk about the fall from grace Jamie Ben has had from being skater of the week. Um, you know, the illustrious hot corner award to being the, <laughs> being the subject of you know, potentially some, a suspension and a hit on Oliver Ekman Larson. Some, some may say that winning the skater of the week is better than winning the MVP. Some might say that some might regardless. I also just want to, we can, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to our awards in just a moment, but I want to bring up a funny story that happened this week. Um, the Carolina hurricanes continue to be great. <laughs> they tweeted, I believe this was Tuesday. It's, um, they tweeted this exact tweet. The hashtag Canes have acquired goalie Mackenzie Blackwood and defenseman Sammy Vatten in exchange for goalie James Reimer and defenseman Hayden Fleury. Hashtag Let's Go Canes. And then the details linking to a, um, you know, like a news release on NHL.com. And they had a whole graphic and everything. And then they just reply to that tweet and say, no, we haven't. It was one of those fake. It's it's. It's like uh, I, I hate throwing this guy's name around, but Sports Talk Barry on uh, on Twitter will change his name and he'll and he'll make it like Bleacher Report and it'll be like a fake Bleacher Report sign. Yeah, like some guy people... who's on a football for ten years decides to come back and it's like, oh, everyone's like, is this real? Is it real? And it's not. Yeah, a bunch of people like you know, they pose as Ian reporter Adam Schefter and just say, you know, Percy Harvin's coming back to football after a hiatus. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a lot of those weird news releases you see and you got to make sure you check for the um. The check mark, and not just that emoji that looks like the check mark. All right, we're going to do our award ceremony very quickly here before we head off the break and talk and go to the final word. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to do my skater of the week as much as I. I'm going to go with Sidney Crosby. He's got nine points in the last seven days, two goals and seven assists. He's playing the team game, giving getting the assist. He's my player of the week. Michael, my player of the week is going to be uh, Alex Ovechkin scoring his 699th no bias. No bias. 699th goal. He's been on a bit of a cold streak, but he scored his 699th goal in the loss to the Canadians. Yeah, Ovi's <laughs> knocking on the door of 700 there. So I'm ice skater of the week is someone who I watched in the All-Star game back in January and really, really liked Travis Konechny. Um, three games played, two goals, five assists, seven total points for the week. Um, I'm a, you know, as you know, I'm a big fan of even strength goals, five and five goals. I did not pick up that stat this week. I just figured Travis Konechny, I really liked him in the all-star game and he's having, he's, he put together a nice little week and I knew you were going to pick Sidney Crosby. So I had to go with someone else. And I, I, for, for goal of the week, I feel like this should be just completely unanimous. Jordan Bennington of the St. Louis blues, two and one in the last seven days, two shutouts that alone deserves goalie of the month, let alone. So Jordan Bennington of my hatred rival, St. Louis Blues, goalie of the week. Michael, go. I have to give it to Bennington as well. If you're able to accomplish that, that's truly an incredible feat. So I really can't pick anybody else. The two shutouts is incredible, but I did want to show some love to someone else. Auntie Ranta of the Arizona Coyotes, who will always hold a special place in my heart. But he has um, three starts, two and one. This week, 109 saves on 112 attempts. That's a lot of shot attempts to face, and it comes out to a 97.3% save percentage. So, And finally, the team of the week. I'm going to go with the Lightning, even though they ended their win streak yesterday. It was quite, quite, quite a lot of fun. I've mentioned them a lot as my team of the week in the last month or so. So Lightning, one loss, man, in your win streak, but hey. It's just the beginning of another. So go, Michael. I'm going with the Boston Bruins, 8-1 and one in the month of February. <laughs> I also had to go with the Lightning, an 11-game winning streak. Their last loss um, before last night to the Golden Knights was on January 27th. So they went through the entire month of February with, or as up to this point without a loss. So just a great streak in 11 games. It's something incredible. All right, we're going to go to a very short break. We come back. The final word. It's not corner on KCU 80.1 FM and KCU.FM. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Well, 
Every time I hear that, that song, Shout by the Isley Brothers, it makes me happy because it's always a sign that I get to talk about something that interests me in the past seven days. And it also means that it's time for my favorite segment, The Final Word. So as usual, I'm going to go first. And my story starts like this. It's like winter may be close in here in Columbia, but that does not mean that it's over elsewhere around the world. So do not put those skis and sleds away just yet. I may have found something that may interest you. This week, we're flying across the mighty Atlantic Ocean all the way to Norway, to yellow, which looks like it's spelled Galeo, but it's not. It's pronounced yellow in Norway for something... <laughs> That is more like a drunk person's idea of a race. It's called the Kick Sled World Championships. And this competition draws about 800 spectators and at least 100 participants every year from around the world. These people use, I'm going to put quote marks around, sleds, because they're not really sleds, to race across the snow in a four-kilometer course. And these sleds, if you want to call them sleds, they're, they're two skis with a wooden chair attached to them and these these wooden poles these wooden like poles that's come up out and that's how essentially you you ride them and you can have someone sit in the chair and it's like if you look at pictures at this it looks like the most shadiest thing that you'll ever come across like honestly i look at it and i'm like you know what this is how i die if i were to, if i were to do something like this but this course it's it's a four kilometer course it's in the snow and one of my favorite parts about it is at the two kilometer mark Everyone will usually stop, have a couple drinks, and have hot dogs. And then they're all pretty much drunk by the time they get back on their, their kick sleds. And they start going the rest of the race. And at the end, it's it, like the course is about, it usually takes about an hour. Some of the best guys finish in about 23 minutes. I think a couple years ago, that was the record. And they all go off to the Dr. Holmes Hotel, which is the town's oldest hotel. And they at the end, they all go to the bar, and they get very, very drunk. What is Where is this located again? Yellow. Norway. Norway. Okay. Norway. I was thinking like Canada or Russia no. or something where, it, you know, it sounds like something that most certainly would happen in Russia or Australia if they had snow down there. <laughs> Australia <laughs> with snow. But I mean, you know, I mean, I, I've always mentioned this. I always ask you guys about what our future endeavors will be with the show. And I say in 2021, show from almost Norway? all of us will be 21. And it's, I believe, legal drinking age in Norway might be 21 or 18. Don't know. We all go out to yellow. We, we, we bring some way to do the show out there, and we do it with our drunken brothers of outdoors. Yellow Norway. Outdoors. Outdoors. In the snow, in on a Norway. kick sled. Represented Team USA. I say we go. I, say, I mean... Come on. You can't tell me it does not sound fun. It, it does sound fun, although I might have to um, respectfully decline the, uh, the invitation, but... Mm. <laughs> come on. I'd love to do it for the record. Um, See, Michael gets it, and he's staring at me now, which means I guess I'm next. Um, yeah, it's time. It's do, do your hero of the week. Okay, so my hero of the week is no bias, Ron Rivera, um, who did a yard sale for the Panthers. Uh, he raised over thirty thousand dollars for charity. David Newton of ESPN has a story. It says, twenty-four hours after the Washington Redskins coach Ron Rivera unloaded Pro Bowl cornerback Josh Norman from his roster, he unloaded more than a thousand items he accumulated in nine seasons with the Carolina Panthers. Only this time it was for charity. Rivera and his wife Stephanie held a yard sale on Saturday at the Humane Society of Charlotte with the entire $30,237 raised going toward a new campus and research facility for one of their favorite charities during their time in the Queen City. And it says um, the 3,000 people stood in line and it says it also inspired players Luke Keekley, Greg Olson, and Cam Newton who also contributed to help the Humane Society reach its goal of $15 million. Andy Reid in there as well also gave away 13 seasons worth, I believe, of Eagles stuff in addition so just an incredible uh way to give back yeah you love seeing those sports leagues come together mine a feel-good story for this week it's a little on the shorter side but the daytona 500 was last weekend and most of you saw the scary crash involving ryan newman where he not only collided with the wall but also was involved in a collision with another vehicle that happened as a result and it looked Pretty scary. There were reports afterwards that he was in the in the hospital in serious condition, but stable, and he was released on Wednesday. And the um, picture made the rounds on Twitter of him holding um, his two, who I assume to be his two daughters' hands, walking out. So it was 
a touching thing to see and great to see that, you know, he was okay after what could have been a lot worse for him. So I wanted to just, you know, there is still some good in the world and Ryan Newman was able to survive that. So it, 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 was, it, was, it was one of the scariest things I've watched and I usually watch the Daytona 500 every year and it was probably one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And with that said, it's the end of another episode of the Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Herrian, Michael Imami at Ibami Michael, and Logan at the Logan France. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and any other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. We will see you maybe tomorrow if, if the planets align. We might be on Sports Saturday tomorrow. If not, we will see you next Friday. Same oh, place. The stars align. Same time. <laughs> It's been Hot Corner, signing off.